Hello and welcome to the iGen UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, and Joe Scrabbles. Hi. Hello, Matt Perslow. Hello. Hello, what a lovely day it is. I'm feeling it, boys, I'm feeling loose. Are oh, you? It could be yeah. a loose one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Ooh. let loose. Um, it's only Wednesday, say, you little creep. Exactly. I know we're recording early this week because, you know, it's busy. busy week. We're just getting it where we can. That does mean we haven't had time to play GTA Trilogy yet. But do you know what? Next Friday, we'll go fully into that and mm-hmm. say what's great about it. And maybe what's not so great. I don't know. There might be things wrong with it. I have played it. It may be perfect. Who knows? <laughs> um, instead, this week... It's the 15th anniversary of both the PS3 and the Wii launching. Does that make you feel slightly ill? Um, no. They seem old to me. <laughs> they seem like old, years old, old like. bits. Yeah, I suppose. I um, So in honour of that, what we're going to do is... Because, Matt, I don't, did you own either of these consoles? I, I actually owned every console from this kind of period, <laughs> but I was very much an Xbox 360 kind of person. Mm-hmm. I... And I started that generation off diehard PS3, thought it was going to do the best thing ever, owned it from launch, owned it for about four months, traded it in for an Xbox 360. Well, there we there go. There we go. <laughs> well, so what we're going to do is, basically, we're not going to talk about the best games from those uh, consoles necessarily, because that's a bit obvious. You know, we're not going to get your... Well, I don't know, Joe may surprise you. We're not going to get Super Mario Galaxy. We're not going to get... No, that would be very odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not going to get, I don't know... Red Dead Redemption, The Last of Us from the PS3. What we're going to do here is me and Joe have picked five underappreciated games from each of those consoles, and we're going to pit them against one another, and Matt is going to pick a winner in each of those round as which is... Basically, it's a mini-debate, an argument of such, of of what is the most underappreciated games of each of these consoles. Um... They're not good. They're not the most obscure. I, I don't want to speak for Joe. I don't know what his games are. He doesn't know what mine are. Mm-mm. I've not picked really obscure games. I've picked what I think are good and very good games that aren't talked about enough and maybe should be considered, you know, all timers. I've actually tried on this challenge, <laughs> so I've got good obscure games with reasons behind them. So Cardi's probably going to win. But I'm going to be oh, more interesting. You know, <laughs> I don't think anyone here cares who wins this. It's not really. It's just an excuse Massively. for us to talk about. It's an excuse to talk about games we love because those are the most fun we have on this podcast when we talk about things we actually love <laughs> rather than just moaning about things that are mediocre. Um, let's let's get it going then. I think. So do, wait, do you want to go I, first? Yeah. Can we just can we just establish? So we're pitching these to Matt, and Matt's choosing. Yes. Mm-hmm. The best of the mm-hmm. of the matchups that we create. So, is there an element yeah. of strategy here where the person going first is then matched Ooh. by the second? Is there a draft? Element? I don't know. I'm going mine in order. I've written one to five. I'm just going to go straight through them in one to five. You wow. should have done it as a, I like the idea that you were trying to build your like hidden gem Wii Mini and hidden gem Wii <laughs> Mini like PS3. Mine does have a well, little does that, have a little spread of, of stuff actually. It does yeah. work. So, like, basically, these are the 10 games, if you had a combined Wii and PS3 mini hidden <laughs> gem console, these are the 10 games you'd find on it. <laughs> yeah, it was. The, it's the PS3 Wii hipster console. <laughs> <It's> just... Exactly. <laughs> okay. And mine are, are like, you're going to, like, I... I've not picked obscure games now, so people are going to roll their eyes like, that's a game that sold millions. I don't care. So we're going, I think it's underappreciated. Exactly. We're going underappreciated. Yeah, they're not hidden gems. Like, <laughs> my game is, yeah, my games are not hidden. Well, one, one of mine is hidden as fuck. 
<laughs> Sorry, I was I wasn't crying. I was He's not sneezing. Your nose. Um, yeah. yeah, one of them's hidden as fuck. So uh, this is going to be really interesting. We've oh, essentially we done two different things. <laughs> we can take turns at going first each time if you want. Yeah. We'll do five yeah, yeah, each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't. Know, do, you, do you want to go first this time? Yeah, I'll go first go with the one I think. Um, oh, we it, should. Make, I don't have made this ah. clear. Joe's doing Wii only, and I'm doing PS3 only. Yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not yeah, combining. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you know he's a Wii boy. Yeah, Cardi didn't really have a Wii. I didn't really have a PS3. I think I had one for like three months before the PS4 came out. That was basically my my exposure <laughs> to it. And I played The Last of Us and nothing else. No, not even The Last no, of no. Us. I played. Sorry, you Uncharted, Uncharted Three is what I mean. Um, exactly. But yeah, anyway, uh, I'm going to start with one from the Wii that I think any time someone goes, uh, hey, if you want to play a game on the Wii, that uh, and that I'm moving my glasses around a bit, <laughs> if you want to play a game on the Wii that's actually pretty good and you've never heard of before, it's always this one, which is Zack and Wiki, The Quest for Barbarossa's Treasure. Uh, Cardi, do you know this? I've... I've- I've definitely heard of Sam Wiki. I've never played the game. Matt, you did a very confused eyebrow look. It's just the Barbarossa's treasure thing just makes me think a little bit of Captain Barbosa from uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I mean, Is... it's 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 definitely playing off a of Pirates of the Caribbean interest at the time. I would okay. say it is a Capcom point-and-click adventure that was clearly meant to start a new franchise with these guys as mascots, and it bombed like hell. <laughs> no one ever did it again. Um, but it was to the public's detriment, because Zack and Wiki was great. It is, A, why aren't there more point-and-click adventures on the Wii? It's so obviously a good idea. Like well, You literally would a point-and-click with the... You do the pointing-and-clicking with the with the Wiimote. You're pointing around and getting Zack and Wiki around. Zack's a little pirate man who doesn't speak, and Wiki is a little golden flying monkey who's shaped like a bell. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> what? How can it, you be a monkey shaped like a bell? What? Just How imagine, does that work? baby. It's all part of your imagination. <laughs> um, and it is like a really competent point-and-click adventure first and foremost. Like, it has good logic-based puzzles there isn't i know you both like monkey island a lot but it isn't mm-hmm. your mad fucking chicken pulley <laughs> bullshit that people for okay. some reason like um and uh it's called having a good time joe it's not called having a good time it's called clicking 600 boxes until two of them interact with one another. no there's logic mate there's um, logic either way uh, I haven't made I haven't made this a good pitch to Matt to be honest. Matt, <laughs> pretend I didn't just insult your tastes. Um, but it is a it, what it does is essentially you get items along the way that are used in multiple different situations, and that's where the motion control stuff comes in. Because when you get an item, you've got to work out how the motion controls work with it. Um, so some mm-hmm. of them are very obvious, like turning a key, but other things are just like odd items that you figure out in a situation, and it uses them multiple times, so it gives you this sense of like. It's equipment as well as like point and click item stuff, but it also does some like proper weird Capcom shit. Like uh, every level is scored like fucking bayonetta or DMC levels. Like the faster and cleaner your puzzle solutions are, the higher your point score is, and you get like to the point where you can get like S rank scores for completing puzzles really efficiently. Um, and it also has proper boss fights like. Uh, Matt, I know you listen to the Backpage podcast, mm-hmm. which we are subtly ripping off, uh, which itself <laughs> subtly rips off the Big Picture podcast, so I don't feel too bad about it. Um, they brought up the fact that, uh, or Matt Castle on that, brought up the fact that his favourite video game ending type is always uh, when people fight God. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, Capcom <laughs> games do this a lot, or Capcom derived mm-hmm. games do this a lot. Are and Zack and Wiki does a, a pirate basically. and a monkey fight God. It's a god of sorts. They got a space. Cut they throw Cardi. some alligator. I'm things. not liking this. You're yeah, yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt sounded intrieved by this. Uh, um, what it, is it? My turn then. I don't uh, know. Well, well, no. If you've got more, if you. And more. the only thing I was going to say is, it also looks weirdly good for a Wii game. Like if you go back and look at it, you wouldn't know that mm-hmm. this was on that like fuzzy old crusty console that 480p bullshit. Like when when it when you see it, you're like, oh shit, this is actually like a really nice looking cell shaded game. It's just good stuff. Is that is that only available on the Wii as well? It's is it only available released? on the Wii. I believe wow. everything on my list is literally Wii only. Wow. That is it. To be fair, that is a lot of Wii games, sadly, isn't it? I mean, well, this is going to be a hell of a match up because uh, <laughs> I've got something a lot less obscure. So let's just let's just go back, take you back to the PS3 era when um, a little studio called Rockstar were in their heyday. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> An underappreciated they Rockstar ha- <laughs> game. If this isn't table tennis, then you've... No, no, no here we go. D- lying. They're GTA 4, Red Dead, LA Noir, GTA 5. They even had Midnight Club LA. But I'm going to start off by saying something sacrilegious, and I apologise to any of our Finnish friends. Max Payne 3 is the best Max Payne game. Fuck off. <laughs> okay, I haven't won this one then. You're out. <laughs> You're done. I, it's Joe. <laughs> I, oh, I will say... I absolutely love Max Payne 3. It's not the best Max yeah. Payne game, but I am a proper apologist for it. Well, I love Max Payne 3. And I love Max Payne 1 and 2, don't get me wrong. I think they're all absolutely fantastic games. But what Rockstar did with Max, Max Payne 3, I think they just they took it up a notch for me. I love the style of that story. Arguably the greatest video game soundtrack of all time. The by health. health, yeah. Just an amazing score. The slow motion in that game, I know they had it in the first two. The action in that game, it's it's like playing a full-on action movie. Like It's like playing a die... Like, they never made a good die-hard game. This is a, the best die-hard game you're going to play. Can I like, uh, can I chip in very briefly on the, on on. the slow motion point? Um, my favourite thing in that game is that they worked out how to deal with uh, doing slow motion dives into walls by, a, by doing like proper <laughs> physics technology. And I genuinely spent about 10 minutes in one office just bouncing Max Payne off of things because it looked so funny. And that is the mark of a good physics engine. That's the thing. I I just think it's I just think it's a great game. And I feel like it, got, it gets an unnecessarily rough time. I think a lot of people didn't like the direction it took, which I, I can understand. I, like one and two are very noir, whereas this one's very action like it's an action thriller basically and plus you've got max Payne bald with like a hawaiian shirt on which is just the best look he's ever had <laughs> that's wrong so, too because it's sam lake's face <laughs> is the best look he ever had but... that, yeah yeah that, that is true sam um, lake's but, frozen girl i'm trying to oversell it here but i love max Payne 3 and that is one game that's like weirdly hard to play currently i don't think it's been like re-released or like it's not available on current systems like i think you have to go back to the ps3 or the xbox to you- play You've um, got to get a PC. It's one of those games that kind of very easy to get on PC, but yeah. very hard everywhere else. Um, sadly, you don't fight God, and there's no Golden <laughs> Monkey. And I can already tell by Matt's face that, and by the way, he told me to fuck off. I've probably not won this round. <laughs> it's um, that, like I do apologize. It was a, such an outburst that came from my soul because it's clearly not the best Max Payne, but I do like it. I think it is. I uh, well, there we go. It, 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 Max Payne two. Did you know who Max agrees Payne. with me, Mr. Daniel Kruper, who gave it a nine out of ten for IGN.com and I, I'll always support him. For you know that what? Review. I'm not saying it's not worth a nine, <laughs> but it's not the best Max Payne game. <laughs> well, there we go. 
Matt, who won that round? <laughs> uh, Joe wins that round. Yes. Um, oh. Genuinely, and that's largely because kind of like I think like a now I've had a look at the front cover. I do remember this game. I remember seeing it around in shops. It's got a lovely idea. I like Max Payne Three is is cool and and mm-hmm. is like an interesting. You know, it's a, obviously not Remedy doing it, and it, it it showed kind of like what Rockstar's approach to that sort of game is. I've never heard of a point-and-click game that works on a Capcom sort of basis. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is super cool. And I think, like, speaks to the real strength of the Wii as a console and that it was, like, this weird... Not, like, dumping ground for mad experiments, but it was just kind of, like, like such a laboratory of weirdness that it's... Mm-hmm. That, to me, sounds like a reason why you'd want to go and buy a Wii. It's, Whereas it, Max it, Payne's kind of just a cool action game on a platform that's got lots of cool action games. It's funny that you say that because my list, I believe all but one, possibly all of them, I have to look up look up one of them, all of them basically started and ended. Or like their version of these games just like never happened again. They came out on Wii, they fucking bombed because no one wanted <laughs> to play anything other than Wii Sports. Um, and they are just like developers going... Like, there's a story later on that has one of these that is the most emblematic of, like, Wii development bullshit thinking um, that uh, that I've ever heard of. And I think that's that's the beauty of the Wii to me. Yeah, I um, I Yeah, I just looked at Zach and Wiki and, yeah, I, do you know what, I'd play that game. So I think you'd really one. like it. It's genuinely, yeah. like, it's gorgeous and strange and interesting. I do have a Wii U hidden somewhere. Did it it get would work. Like, yeah, it would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's all backwards compatible, it. so you could do yeah. you could do some Zach and Wiki. Oh. In fact, I, I mean, that would be bizarre if I just suddenly decided to cry. But that's what this is for, maybe getting people to play games they missed. Yeah, I think exactly. I've got it. I could just give you the disc. Oh, oh, oh. that's a Christmas present, mm. Zach and Wiki. <laughs> i <I'd> just <laughs> give you also, an old disc. <laughs> also, Cardi, I'm looking at photographs, well, screenshots from Max Payne. That's a game that looks like it's aged very gracefully. It looks yeah, really good. Oh, nice. I forgot to mention that, actually. Like, yeah, just, it looks so good now. Like, and when was that? Was it 2012? 12 is what the Steam release, release date yeah. is, yeah. Like, almost 10 years old, that game. And that could, yeah, if you tell me that was a PS4 game, I know it's not a huge jump from PS3 to mm-hmm. PS4, but, yeah, I, wouldn't, I would believe you. It looks, it still looks very good. But yeah, good games. Am I going first this time then? Yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I just wanted to point out, I have noticed, uh, I just looked for it <laughs> for Max Payne 3 screenshots and noticed a Reddit thread that says, in Max Payne 3, Max's hair noticeably grows back over the course of the game, which Genius. honestly, Matt, if you do want to reconsider, I would understand. Yeah. <laughs> um. I do. That's from the era of, you know, when uh, Rocksteady got the, the gradual degradation of the Batsuit over mm, the Arkham yeah. games. That, I don't see it so much anymore, or maybe it's so subtle these days that it's not as easy to notice, but characters that visibly like degrade or change over time, yeah. I think that, well, that needs to come did, back. In GTA V, like, all your character's hair grows, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And their, yeah. Doesn't their beard grow as, you, as it goes? Like, yeah, but where's the Nathan kind of Drake that's looking more haggard as he goes along, yeah. along Uncharted? Maybe, maybe he does get a bit more beardy, I don't know. He's always got, he must always have a razor on him, I don't know. Anyway, so, so far on our uh, Dream Wii and PS3 <laughs> console, we've got Max Payne 3 and Zack and Wiki. Oh, what yeah. a double bill. There's going to be some variety here, and but not necessarily straight away, because I'm going straight in with another three. Um, all you younger video game players out there all, all you youngsters may not know the insomniac before ratching before they like reboot ratching clamp before they did spider-man 
before Sunset Overdrive, they did a much greyer, darker trilogy of games, which is the Resistance trilogy. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which one are you picking? Resistance 3 mm-hmm. is what I'm picking. Because, right choice. Yeah, because it combined, it brought the best, I thought, of the first two together in terms of the tone, but it wasn't quite as muddy looking like the first. I looked back at Resistance 1, that is a muddy looking that's, game. That's <laughs> the only game I really remember. For, I can't believe there were three Resistance games. That's insane to me. Like well, They all the feel thing. like They're one very, thing. Th- this isn't news to people. Insomniac, one of the best game studios in the world. And I feel like, like this Resistance was always meant to be Sony's answer to Gears of War. Like, that sort of aliens on Earth, like the Chimera coming to Earth, set in like an all... Did you play the Resistance games, Matt? Mm, yeah, I've played all of them. Uh, I thought you might not have. Well, there we go. <laughs> See, I, I imagine you someone who's very much enjoyed Resistance because it has a lot of things you like. It has the alternate history, the 50s mm-hmm. kind of weapons mixed mm-hmm. with the alien tech. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got weapons like... One of the best shotguns I've ever used in a game is in that game. It also has the Alga, which is a gun that burns through solid objects to get to other enemies. Uh, it has the Mutator, which is a chemical weapon that causes like bulbous cysts to turn into landmines on enemies and also can set out like diseased mist. I mean, and to top it all off, this game was playable in stereoscopic 3D. <laughs> was it? <laughs> Yes, I don't. I never played the Resist. I can remember my dad used to have a 3D TV, and I can remember when I got. Yeah. So I then bought a PS3 when the Slims came out. So that was when I played these. So I played mm-hmm. the first Resistance on the launch console, and then didn't play the other two until much, mm-hmm. much later. But I didn't remember this. But I remember playing Killzone in stereoscopic yeah. 3D and Killzone feeling so ill. Was- <laughs> I remember that they released like a playable, like before PT, like a playable teaser where you'd go through in 3d like it was mad yeah that weird couple of years when the ps3 was pushing 3d mm. games as a thing like which um i'd be weird to go back to now which resistance was it was where they had a feud with the church of england because i know that happened oh, where they first used a con- one i think because the i first, think there's yeah. a level in canterbury cathedral, it's like a cathedral right and there's a bit because I, I remember that reasonably well because you, you're chucking all of these grenades that fire spikes out and like mm, pin mm-hmm. people into walls. But I do remember using the like what do you say the guns called the auger? Is it the auger? The auger that yeah, drills auger, through walls auger. and just like yeah. obliterating half of this beautiful cathedral because you're just yeah. drilling massive chunks through it. Yeah, Canterbury. <laughs> Look, the aliens are here. Like, yeah, I think I doubt they'll ever bring resistance back, but. They were very good games. I feel like, yeah, they were kind of overlooked. Like there was the first one got a bit of buzz because it was a launch game, mm-hmm. and you know it was the big launch game, if I remember rightly, for PS3. Um, but yeah, like two and three kind of, I think progress. They got, I think they progressively got better as games, but less and less people played them as they went on. What, so, um, yeah, what's, resist- what's the apart from looking nicer? Because I I only ever played a tiny bit of the first mm-hmm. one, and honestly, just had completely forgotten there were other Resistance games. Um, yeah. What's what makes the third one specifically better than I, the others? Like they kind of, mer- I think it was the merging of the dark. Like it's the easily the darkest of the three chapters. I think it's a really dark story of these Chimera on Earth, but also more alien tech than the first one had. Mm-hmm. So kind of that bigger like robot things and stuff like that. Yeah, so it, they got more. They got more crazy with it basically. Like mm-hmm. the first ones, 
if I remember, is it almost all completely taking place in almost like real towns? Like there's not really much alien stuff in it apart from the actual aliens themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they just kind of went more more insomnia, more Ratchet and Clank crew of like crazy weapons with alternate fire abilities and just, yeah. I, and I think, it, oh, I can't remember if it was two or three that had the better multiplayer, but I definitely remember playing it at a friend's house and having a great time. But yeah, I'm going with Res- Resistance 3 because that's... I feel the best of the trilogy, but you could c- c- kind of, you know, if you wanted to cheat, have the remaster trilogy remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there we go. My uh, yeah, my, what, what's going up against Resistance Three? <laughs> well, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make it like a match up with an interesting okay. comparison. So I'm going to go for another game that is unusually dark or grim for its developer, which is Mad World. Did you ever play Ooh. Mad World? So I, I never played it, but I some, saw a yeah. lot of it. It yeah. is. And it looked mad. Yeah. For those who don't know, it is the first ever Platinum Games game, which is weird to think back on. Um, and it was a Wii beat-em-up. Uh, it was presented entirely in black, white, red, and yellow. So it was like a, it was exactly the Sin City colour scheme. They knew what they were doing. Um, and it's just... Uh, honestly, I don't really like its style i like how it looks i don't like what it's going for i'm not into like grim for grim's sake but mm-hmm. uh it is essentially a death game beat em up where you are in some futuristic horrible world where everyone's watching you on tv um just hitting people with a chainsaw arm for ages uh but it's got that you can like feel platinum and clover all throughout it like it's a really competent action game with like really good context kills there's not like there's not enough games with context kills anymore where you're like chucking people into walls of spikes and shit mm-hmm. um and the thing i particularly like about it is that it's all voiced by greg proops and john dimaggio like the <laughs> the it's commentated on by two mm-hmm. faceless dudes one of whom is from <laughs> uh that fucking improv show i can't remember the name of what's it called who, not oh, whose line um, is it anyway? Whose line is it anyway? Is that what it is? is that yes, it? whose line is it anyway? Yeah, it? it's that one. And the guy that plays Jake in Adventure Time and Bender. And it's really odd. Like, they have an, a really strange dynamic where John DiMaggio's just being disgusting and Greg Kroops is being, like, disgusting but clever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, then I found out while looking up today that it was all written by Yasumi Matsuno, who did, like, Final Fantasy Tactics. He was like the director of Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, Vagrant Story, and like classic PlayStation games that people love. And for some reason, he went and freelanced and wrote Mad World, which I I was watching some footage to kind of get my bearings on it. The thing I remember, (laughs) the thing that I can't work out whether John DiMaggio and Greg Proops were improv like in their booth or not, because if they weren't, that means the man who wrote Final, or created Final Fantasy Tactics wrote a line where John DiMaggio says that a cowboy cut his scrotum open with spurs and his balls fell out. That's just a line in the game. If Yasumi Matsuno wrote that line, it's the best game on Wii. He was wasted on Final Fantasy Tactics. If yeah, you what's the me. point? He's writing that sort of stuff. Oh, I yeah, always, make yeah. genre-defining RPGs. <laughs> Shut up. Write more stuff about exactly. Jake from Adventure Time Scrotum. getting his balls chopped. <laughs> exactly. I... Yeah, I never played this game. I saw a lot of it because it came out a few years after Sin City, didn't it? It had that same, yeah. like, that black and white with just, just the blood being mm. red aesthetic, which at that time I think everyone thought was cool. These days, I don't think anyone 
thinks it is anymore. No. <laughs> but I don't. I don't. Um, but yeah, it always just like, and it's an obvious thing to say, it just looked mad. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games that, unlike I would say everything else on this list, bar maybe one, it's one of those games that came out on Wii because Wii was popular and cool and there was clearly a deal done, but it mm. didn't need to be on Wii at all. Like, it should have been a normal controller game. It didn't need motion controls. But if you can kind of factor that out of your thinking, which I know is hard, um, it is like genuinely a very interesting like mm-hmm. experiment in beat em ups. I think it's so pretty what, cool. Is it just a bit like? Was there an actual proper story? Like uh, it's a it like it does have a story. I, I must admit I don't remember where it goes, but it is basically a dude kind of finding his fighting his way through this death game on tv and then i think finding out like the secrets of why it's on or how it came to be on or there's some sort of dystopian stuff get running a man to it exactly yeah Yeah. Hmm. there you go is it as good as resistance 3 though matt is it as good as so the matsuno stuff is very interesting to me big fan of final fantasy 12 you know over tactics um Mm. he also uh i know did some uh work on the stormblood and shadowbringers expansion for final fantasy 14 which are I have not played these, but I have heard from a lot of people very, very good stuff about the, especially the kind of narrative elements to these. Uh, as you also know, Cardi, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm yeah. big into Halo and Resistance was always pegged as kind of the Halo killer or at least attempts mm. to be. It didn't quite, didn't quite make it. Didn't did it? quite make it, no. Underappreciated, some would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what? I think, I think I'm going to go to where my comfort lies and go for a good old mad shooter with absolutely batshit bonkers guns i think that's very fair that's fine and it makes it a nice little you know one or it makes it a nice friendly affair which is what we want um i'm just glad you didn't swear at me this time (laughs) i hope that doesn't happen again i must say Um, that that talk about good contextual kills i agree and i tell you what we need uh mid more of sleeping dogs remember the contextual kills that are in sleeping dogs there are some incredible ones in there was that was that ps3 because that would have I, I might have missed that one for underappreciated, <laughs> but um, I don't know if it. Yeah, it's it's still very good, isn't it? I played a game recently that had good contextual kills. I can't remember what it is, and now it's going to really bug me. Um, what would I have played recently where you like? I don't know, but contextual kills are very good, and I agree there should be more of them. Joe, what's your third one from the Wii? I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Mm. Oh, the hipster's yes. choice for for Silent Hill <laughs> is this games. Barlow's. Is this this the one is Barlow's. That's mm-hmm. the thing to to bring up. People who don't know it is a reimagining of the first Silent Hill game, made outside of Team Silent and led, or partly led, by Sam Barlow, who went on to most famously make her story, but also telling lies and basically mm-hmm. sort of. Uh, always enjoys doing weird shit with narrative and silent hill shattered memories is on the surface a normal silent hill game you are investigating an abandoned town there's psychologically inspired monsters etc etc but it does some weird bullshit like there are constant flashbacks to having a psychological evaluation and the game Mm -hmm. outwardly tells you that you are being profiled when you answer those questions and will change the game based on what your your answers are. So, like, if you find if you're asked whether you find I think it's a character sexually attractive, if you say yes, then they will dress them more sexily in the next thing, etc. Like things that just like small changes or mostly small changes 
that kind of reflect the the answers you've given mm-hmm. um and sort of re- have a some bearing on your character's psyche in the game I've played very little of this game because it's so fucking frightening having phone calls come out of your Wiimote. Um, like, it's such a good... It does weird stuff like... Uh, yeah, you you have a cell phone in the game uh, and you basically... All the things come through that horrible tinny speaker on it and it's just... It's the worst. It's so, it's so unpleasant. <laughs> Is that one where... Uh, with the Wii Remote, you do stuff with the torch as well. Yeah, so this- the the flashlight is entirely Wiimote controlled as well, yeah. which is honestly, I think, one of the best Wiimote implementations. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's so... The, the more scared you get, the less useful it is to have your torch. Like, it really <laughs> works. Like, it makes sense. Um, and yeah, it's just... Uh, I think it's just a really smart, interesting take. There's no combat. You can only run away from combat. Um, so it gets rid of what I think is one of the weirdest things in Silent Hill, that you would be fighting a lot of this stuff. Um, And it has a really good, like, properly good twist ending. Um, It's just... Which I had to look up, as I say. Um, uh, But it's just, yeah, it's it's just a really cool idea. And, like, does some good stuff with, like, exploration as well. It's not just cramped places. It's, like, spaces that you look around and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. a bit more freely, a bit less sort of harried it's like there's less survival I mean, horror it's, it's the last good silent hill game we've had because downpour wasn't much yeah. was it? if i remember rightly people, I don't, I don't angry people, were. people are already very angry with me that i said max Payne 3 is the best max Payne. so definitely getting some feedback this week barlow uh, also but, said it made him partly made him quit to become an indie because people don't want kitchen sink stories in games and like when you look at it in that respect it is like mm-hmm. it's just a story about a dude having some trouble in a weird town like it's very sedate for a video game despite it having psyche monsters um like i think that's a really cool interesting point it's like he tried to make something very personal uh, in a silent hill game even more so than normal i thought it's very cool Hmm. yeah it's a very cool entry and do you know what i've actually got fittingly one to go up against that which um, is another one which does very good and cool stuff with story and i feel like this is one that always pops up when people have an underappreciated games list. It may be a bit obvious, but there's a reason why it always makes these underappreciated lists, and it is Spec Ops The Line. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Which, in Which is the ways you described... underappreciated. <laughs> yes, it is, by people, because not enough people played it, Joe. It is underappreciated. <laughs> same as same as Silent Hill, it is, I would say it's in the same bracket as doing very cool things that not enough people saw. Mm, um, all right. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Look, I said these are these are reasons. These ga- these are games that maybe are considered very good, but I think should be considered in that that echelon above yeah, in, in the very best of games. No, if you and can live with yourself, that's all right. <laughs> I'm living with myself, mate, because not only does it have a similar thing to Silent Hill, which is a very cool story, doing clever things with mm. flashback flashbacks and and plot and twists that I don't want to spoil because it's still a very playable game now and a very good story. But if you don't know anything about Spec Ops: The Line, it's kind of did something that military shooters weren't doing up until that point like it on the surface it's a very you know it's call of duty modern warfare in third person except it's not because it's based on joseph conrad's heart of darkness so you're basically getting a modern day playable apocalypse now set in like a disaster struck dubai which kind of ticks a lot of boxes for me and it's just a brilliant game like it doesn't do a lot like 
the gameplay, I will say, it's not revolutionary gameplay. It's a pretty standard cover shooter game. It's not the best shooting gameplay you ever play in the world. It's serviceable, but it services the story very well. And there's some great choices to be made and kind of, I feel like, showed a level to maturity to games that we just hadn't really seen in games mm. up until that point. Like, the w- things it was doing with story and its interpretations of war. You know, like, even if a lot of Call of Duty games say they're trying to show you both sides of war they're very much aimed on let's make this fun and let's make this loud and like whereas this was very much focusing on different aspects of war and yeah it really for me signaled the start of games becoming cinematic alongside like red dead and uncharted like it was this game as well that really yeah made games more like films for me i think it's one of those it's one of those games that i think uh struggles because because it cha- helped change the medium mm-hmm. that now when you look back at it you're like oh, a bit on the nose a bit embarrassing like some of this stuff <laughs> is a bit you know like easy yeah. but when you actually no think back to it. what games were made like at that yeah. time it is kind of fucking incredible that it came out am i right in thinking spec ops was an existing series before that as well uh, yeah there was so a it, game before it yeah. and it was just like gun metal normal that was just yeah just a standard business yeah military shooter yeah like uh, yeah uh, and then, then this came this out of nowhere massive, and like, kind of anti-war pian uh and with like interesting ch- my favorite little detail in it is you are always going down you never you, yes. all, every area ends with you lower than you were before it's a descent into hell um and uh you know just like all that thinking you don't get that shit in in these kind yeah. of games I would I would love a remaster of that game cuz I would I'd happily play that again cuz I don't remember all the details I obviously remember the big beats of it and the choices you can make which are quite harrowing at times they do some <laughs> yeah, but... um, they do some really good stuff with um uh like voice acting in that game as well like it's because it's nolan north isn't it the main character yes. and they do stuff where like the way he's just his barks and his lines as you're shooting throughout the game like subtly change until by the end he's just like gone full fucking insane and it's not just cutscenes getting that across it's just like throwing things he shouts when he throws grenades or reloads and that kind of thing yeah and the performance like really stuck out at a time when performances were starting to become like more and more mm-hmm. important in the medium as well like it's it's a really impressive thing yeah which and is yeah, why it doesn't belong on this still... list <laughs> <laughs> no because people a lot of people like you talk to people they haven't played it and i think that is the kind of fault that it kind of came with that Spec Ops thing, which, you know, wasn't a huge series at the time, but people thought, oh, it's another Spec Ops. Whereas mm. they should have just gone, they should have got rid of the Spec Ops brand, just called it something else. Uh, but yeah, I know, I imagine you're a fan of this game, Matt. Uh, I do think it's good. Uh, yeah, my only reservation with it is the fact that I think, like, I think part of the story it was trying to tell through both the narrative and the gameplay is actually that like war is actually weirdly mundane to a degree um Mm -hmm. like quite a lot of the time you're just walking around and quite a lot of the time because you're having to do you know constantly using combat drills as the way that you work it i think it plays a bit mundane and i think that is there for to almost to a degree for a reason but i think it's the wrong kind of gameplay choice to have made i would much rather have played more entertainingly alongside mm-hmm. that story rather than just kind of I feel, like yeah that is what lets it down is it's very middle of the road mm-hmm. cover shooter don't they do some core. cool stuff where you can shoot and make like drown people in sand though 
because that seemed good. <laughs> I'm getting a feeling here, Matt, that you may you may be leaning the way of the hill. This this has been the most difficult one so far, I think, because I think they are both. Um, so I've played Spec Ops the Line. I've not played Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Now, this might be a case of me like, the grass is greener on the other side, but there's a part of... Like, I've always wanted to play Shattered Memories. I have no idea where my Wii is. It could be in one of like six different places, which is why I've never got around to it. But I'm on a bit of a horror kick at the moment, and especially for horror, the... You're saying Spec Ops doesn't have well, I mean, horror, it mate. does, but... Very real horror, mate. <laughs> there's something... The thing that I really like about horror films in particular is... Uh, and games are very good at, at doing this because of the way they can be so much more immediate is... I like horror that genuinely, like, manipulates your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because quite a lot of horror is designed just to be a bit of fun. Um, yeah. You know, kind of like slasher tropes and and you know when you look at some of like um you know various halloween films and various nightmare on elm street and stuff like that is designed to you for you having fun that's very much where kind of like something like until dawn comes in um horror games that really manipulate you and make you feel grisly is something that i've got like a real kind of intrigue in and i think that shattered memories is doing like that profiling and the fact that it's you know, it's not about the combat, that it's about the kind of, you know, making you feel emotions in quite a horrible scenario. Uh, I'm very intrigued by that. So I'm afraid, I'm, Cardi, it goes fine. to Joe. And do you know what? In all fairness, it is probably a le- much less played and mm-hmm. less appreciated game. Whether it's a better game is, is a different question, but I know that's not necessarily what we're doing. Otherwise, I would just pick GTA Five. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the game we're playing. Although I will um, say, Cardi, again, looking at uh, screenshots from Spec Ops, that's that's aged pretty gracefully. Good. Yeah, like a lot of these games have, I think. Like, back end of the PS3 onwards, games don't really, I don't think, have aged too badly because mm-hmm. even the original Last of Us looks good. Like... Like yeah, I feel like and GTA Five still looks good. Like yeah, I think from like twenty ten, twenty eleven onwards, you kind of we've hit we've hit a point where they don't look too bad. You're safe, but yeah. So shattered memories is going in. So so far we have um, Zach and Wiki, we have Mad World, we have <laughs> um, Sh- uh, Silent Hill, Shattered Memories, we have Resistance Three, Max Payne Three, and Spec Ops Line. I promise not all my games are shooters. Uh, uh, one more of them kind of might be, but uh, one of them definitely isn't. And that is going to be my next one, which is, I think, this generation of games with uh, your Xbox 360 and your PS3, it was kind of, you know, it was the start of the indie game boom. There was the summer of arcade. There was all the great indie games on PS3, like Journey, won our game of the year in uh, 2012. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, one of the best games I've ever played. Mm Mm-hmm. The one I'm going for, though, was another indie game released in 2012 that I think is better than Journey. And it is The Unfinished Swan. Oh, that's have you played, played this? No. I have played The Unfinished Swan. I think you'd like The Unfinished Swan. Is this and the let me tell you Edith why. Finch studio? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the game made by Giant Sparrow before What Remains of Edith Finch. And they do the fun little na- thing, don't they, of putting a bird name in all the games they make. So you've got Swan, you've got Finch. They are Giant Sparrow. I, I just love little... Th- There's no need for it, but I love the little details. Um, so and it's kind of... It's the game they made before Edith Finch. And it's in way... It's an odd tangential semi-prequel to it as well. There are links to it. Yeah, it's really um, weird. If you've played Edith Finch. I don't know. Yeah, if you've played Edith Finch... 
I don't know which way around it would mean more to you. Like, there's a section in Edith Finch having played um, the unfinished one already that meant a lot more, and I was like, that's really a cool thing they've done there, which I, I don't want to ruin because uh, if you haven't played either of those games, you should definitely play because what again, what remains of Edith Finch is one of the best games ever made. But I feel like the unfinished one laid a lot of groundwork for what the unfinished one was trying to do. It was an emotional story, not. Not nowhere near as affecting, I think, as Edith Finch, but still a really sweet story of a boy named Monroe who just starts. This game just starts in white, empty space, and you can't, like, you can't even tell if you're in 3D space. It's just a white screen. You have to work out, and like, you progressively make your way through by kind of painting the floor and painting the walls with different colors. Like to start with, you only have black, so you just shooting like black paint across the screen hoping to find walls and pathways and like i think a giant toad is one of the first things you you walk into um but the game just over time develops more and more its mechanics you get different colors you get like a water gun at some point and there's just it has much more interesting gameplay that i think than edith finch attempted to edith finch is much more it's, I don't like the term, but it's more of a walking simulator. There's not many, like you know, there's not puzzles to solve necessarily. You're doing little things, whereas this was very much there's full on puzzles to solve at I times. Think, I and think that was part of the problem with Unfinished One at the time. I saw people being like, oh, "I don't want to play the fucking game where you just paint the world around you to get around." Sounds boring. When actually, it's because they'd hidden the fact, and it's yes. far enough past that we're not spoiling anything. That there are actual like different mechanics and puzzles to solve mm-hmm. as you go through in that game, which yeah. I think is really cool. I mean, it's only a three, probably a three-hour game at the top of my head, and yeah, for only like the first little bit, are you really just walking around painting walls. After that, yeah, there's like you said, there's puzzles to solve. There's this massive swan, which <laughs> which is at times terrifying. Um, it's just a really sweet story about a boy who's trying, you know, who's trying to like he's chasing after this swan that's escaped a painting and learning the story of like the king of this land who incidentally is voiced by terry gilliam which is a lovely touch see yeah you've got a bit of monty python in there so yeah i think you'd like this game a lot matthew right i'm gonna go for an equally sweet game uh (laughs) is this a i don't know if this is a setup for something that's no it's really it's legit (laughs) oh okay rhythm heaven fever um, Whoa! Those you, are three words together that sound very good. Have you played Have you played Rhythm Heaven before? I, either I, of you? I have not. No. I did not own a Wii. I only owned a Wii U. Well, it was on so. multiple different consoles. We can't know, but I didn't go back. Um, it <laughs> is uh, the easiest way I think to put, to sum up Rhythm Heaven is like, what if WarioWare was a music game? Like, it's every every level is a very simple like press A or B to keep to the rhythm of like weird songs with like really gorgeous vibrant animation like strange cartoon style and like bizarre situations um so the best way i think i can explain rhythm heaven fever is essentially i will explain two of the mini games to you one of them is you are a wrestler doing a post-match conference where he's really sweaty (laughs) and the entire song is made up of uh, a reporter saying rubber dubba 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 dub is that true and then you have to press a to go Ugh. <laughs> and then occasionally someone else will say pose for the fans and you press b and you just flex your muscles 
and that's the entire game. But it's a really good little strange <laughs> song made up of just those elements. And another one is just two little like cavemen with plants on their heads on a cloud floating up a tree trunk and having to bat away balls and cubes. And for some reason, it's just two French voices, a man and a woman, saying things like, dance and turn. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. That's the song. This sounds Um, just as emotionally affecting as the unfinished one. (laughs) But it is like, it's, there's no like, it's not WarioWare in its, it's not trying to be like kooky. It just feels like it's come out of someone's, like, it, there's a. I think there's a reason Fever is in the title. Like, it's come out of some bizarre, like, hot dream that they've had. Um, and so much of it is bizarre. And then it does all the smart stuff you would hope, where it's, like, taking the last six games and remixing them into one song where you're having to remember the rhythms of each one. And, like, it gets steadily harder and harder. And it's just, like, it's a really good, strange rhythm game. Um, and uh, I, th- I feels like it might be the end of like, the rhythm. I've heaven. heard, I've heard all the other games you mentioned. I've never heard of this game. <laughs> Have you not? It's, no. It was a whole series. Rhythm Heaven was on DS first. It was really good. Um, passed me by completely. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, it's really good. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember if it's. I'm trying to find out. I should say I should, if it's the end of the series. It might be. I should also add. Uh, just I'm finished. One May is available now on PC. Uh, mm. So it is available on Steam. Uh, in case you do want to, uh, you're supposed to be making a yourself. case for the fact of these like un undiscovered gems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not undiscovered gems. They're <laughs> underappreciated. And the fact that you haven't played it, and you you are someone who I consider has played almost every single game. So if you haven't played <laughs> it, then it must be uh, underappreciated. Right, you know okay. what he hasn't played? The one where the wrestler goes. <laughs> Which I have to say, Cardi, your description of the unfinished one did not make me laugh. The description of Riven Heaven Fish. It's not meant to make you laugh, it's, it was meant to make you cry. No, <laughs> but you didn't, you didn't elicit any emotion, that was the thing. Uh, but that, I wanted to let the game do that itself so I didn't want to spoil it. Mm. That's the, I, that's uh, I've, I, I do have like a like of weird kind of randomness with a French accent, so I'm sort of. Captured <laughs> by this. But Terry Gilliam, mate, it voices a king. Te- Terry Gilliam's on the bad list these days, isn't he? He's not. He's not is supposed he? to be. Yeah, yeah. He got kicked oh, out of the well, old Vic. I, everyone hasn't he? is these days. I don't know what's good anymore. He's good in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Rhythm Heaven Fever sounds bonkers, and I'm going to go with that. that. It's mad, Jamie. Yes. You pulled that one out of the bag. Incredible. But do you know what? I'm feeling good about my last one because I've definitely pandered to Matt with my last pick. <laughs> I, well, so. I th- when you see my last one, I think you'll <laughs> feel even better. And you're gonna if you thought the Spec Ops Alliance is considered um, too big to not be underappreciated, you're gonna be very angry at my last pick. But I have reasons as okay. to why. But it's you first. Anyway. Um, I will caveat this by saying I have not played this game. Um, and I had forgotten until today that it even existed. But I was just doing a brief kind of look around for footage and of um, of stuff, and I kind of looked up like other people's opinions on underappreciated games. Because unlike you, mm. I, I care about the format. Can't I, I definitely care. Uh, I just wanted to share some passion for games. Yeah, I, I can't wait for fucking Uncharted Two next. And then um, <laughs> it'd be very funny if you did guess the game. I was going to say. And then uh, and then I stumbled across a game I had completely forgotten existed called Deadly Creatures. Have you ever seen Deadly Creatures? 
I can remember going into mm-hmm. uh, like a PC world that had got like a massive cardboard cutout in their mm. game section of this. It is bizarre. Cardi, do you know what this game is? Yeah, isn't it like uh, spiders and snakes killing <laughs> each other? It's from a what game. I remember. It's a narrative action adventure where you play in turn as a tarantula and a scorpion. But they are following around two horrible men in the desert. And the story is just the story of these men. And you're just playing insects, following them and killing other insects. The men are played by Dennis Hopper and Billy Bob Thornton. That is excellent, to be fair. Uh, You've sold me already. They are searching for American Civil War gold. And then... Dennis Hopper's character knocks out Billy Bob Thornton and steals the gold, and the tarantula and scorpion follow him back to his gas station. Um, I will say, A, it's fucking bizarre that this game exists in the first place, because it is essentially a standard action-adventure brawler of the time, except you are playing as insects, so it's kind of odd. And it includes, like, context kills, again. Like, you're knocking (laughs) beetles onto spiky cactuses and shit. Um... It's really grimly done. Like, it's a properly brown... Like, have you seen the film Killer Joe? It really reminds me of the <laughs> world of Killer Joe. Wow. <laughs> like, horrible, like, It's not what I expected down... from the very uh, little I had seen of this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, there's, like, you fight rats, and you have, like, proper, like, martial arts fights with rats with a scorpion stinging its brain. Um, and then the final boss is... Dennis Hopper's character with a shotgun trying to shoot you on the floor, who you defeat by climbing into his trousers and stinging his dick. Um, <laughs> what are these? Like, you've had scrotum cutting, you've had yeah. venomous <laughs> penises. So you sting Dennis Hopper's dick enough that he eventually gets bitten by a Gila monster, which is one of those big lizards, uh, and then gets so angry that he accidentally shoots the gas tanks of his own gas station and kills himself. And that's the end I, of the game. I feel far less confident now than I did before this game because Matt's enjoying himself too much. But we, I, uh, we gave this game an 8 out of 10. And from what I can tell, people yeah, no, people really liked this what? game. Like it's, I think it is a good action-adventure game with a very bizarre choice. The fact mm-hmm. that Dennis Hopper and Billy Bob Thornton in it is is completely wild to me. Um, I, and I just, the more I looked it up, the more I was like, I don't want to talk about Little King's story. I want to talk about Deadly Creatures, a game I will buy and play as soon as I can, because it sounds fucking nuts. What what a mini console we've got so far. For Deadly so Creatures good. Um, oh yeah, um, the thing I missed out, because I, I referenced this earlier, the director said it came from a dream. He had a dream about controlling a snake with a Wiimote and then just went into his office and went like, right, we're making a game where you control horrible creatures with Wii controls. And they eventually gave up on the snake and just went like, uh, yeah, we'll do a, a tarantula and a scorpion. Oh, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Uh, it does sound very, very good. I mean, um, Cardi, you, you better be uh, full on pandering the, if you're going to win is, this one. I am fully pandering, and you, I feel like Joe's going to be annoyed. But here, here I'm going to set this up before saying the name of the game. So this is probably the least hidden of all these games. This is a game that sold, I think, fairly well. But I, the more I think about it, the more I think it's one of the very best PS3 games and actually one of the very best games I've ever played. And whenever I think of the PS3, this game comes into my head as like the strongest memory of playing it and being at uni and playing through this game nonstop and I couldn't get enough of it. And 
genuinely, I would say this game is a 10 out of 10 masterpiece mm-hmm. that maybe does not get the love it's a, and that is Deus Ex Human Revolution. Wow. Underappreciated. <laughs> it's got 10 out of 10s. <laughs> it's underappreciated because it should be considered one of the greatest games of all time and it is not. You are such a cheater. I'm and so I tell you why it's underappreciated on because we got one more. We got one more Deus Ex game and we haven't got enough ones since. People don't love this series enough, and it's underappreciated because I don't get any more of them. But and I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but I want another day of sex. <laughs> the thing is, though, is that people loved that one enough for it to get a sequel, right? It yes, got and then it went a bit wrong. Divided. <laughs> then no one bought that one. If you don't know what Deus Ex: Human Revolution is, it's basically the game Cyberpunk wanted to be. Yeah, and yeah. if that isn't much of a sell, then. I don't know what is. But yeah, it's all about you players. Adam Jensen, if you don't know the story of Deus Ex, who works for a he's a security officer who has augmentations which are kind of they're considered a controversial. And you basically you're doing like your classic cyberpunk infiltrating a, a dodgy company trying to take them down, sort of thing. And just like this is like up until this, I think this was the most bear in mind I hadn't played Mass Effect or anything like that before this like this is the first game i played and i was like i can literally do any of this any way i want and like you can play that game as a full-on fps if you want you can play it as a stealth game you can play it as fully hacking like i don't remember and maybe i'm wrong and matt'll probably correct me up until this point in my life i hadn't played a game that gave me that much freedom level to level that that game had mm-hmm. i mean um, because presumably you hadn't played like original looking glass games that obviously it it bases itself on but that's like those sort of games very rarely existed in the console space right mm-hmm. yeah and again this is a game if you look at now it could have been made a couple of years ago it still looks amazing like it's so stylish just all those like glowing golds and yellows like it's just i don't know there's not enough because like joe said people absolutely love this game but i would argue that this is a game that is considered very very good that should be considered an absolute all-timer that isn't like i would have this in like my top five ps5 with like gta 5 last of us red dead and i don't know something else like i love this game so much and it's rare for me that for some reason i decided the first time i played this game i turned up to the hardest difficulty and just played it on the hardest difficulty i had first time round. And it was just such a fulfilling experience. And I I don't know why I chose to do that, but I feel like that was how that game was meant to be played. And Just elbow just, chiseling nice, your way through. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. the stealthiest I've ever played a game in my life, and I had a fantastic time mm-hmm. with it. But yeah, my, my underappreciated hidden gem is the critically acclaimed <laughs> Deus Ex Human Revolution. <laughs> so... I will agree on you that like it seems to have sort of disappeared from the conversation, but I don't People know... People don't if... talk about it anymore, mm-hmm. is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Like... Yeah, what it doesn't fulfill the brief though, does it, Cardi? You've it does, done it. You've chosen my... it because you Look, know that I love it. Shall I tell you why it fulfills the brief? Is because I'm the one who set the brief, which was <laughs> underappreciated games, and to me, this is underappreciated, despite being very well appreciated. You set the brief, but Matt is choosing which wins. So if he thinks yeah, yeah. it's not underappreciated, no, no, no. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm saying you know I've not broken any rules. If Matt wants to pick the other game, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be heartbroken by it. But I'm I'm justifying why I've picked one of the best games ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know you're torn because Deadly you also outrageous. very much love... <laughs> well, I can see because I know um, Matt's torn because he also does probably agree that Deus Ex is an f- absolutely fantastic game. But 
is also annoyed that I've picked. <laughs> I feel like what you, you you've you've sabotaged it. You, you if you haven't sabotaged it at another it. point, it would have been. I would easy. have picked this if it was Dale sitting there and not you. I would have still picked this game because it is it is amazing. <laughs> Do I need to say any more about how good Deus Ex is? No, Does no, I know exactly how good anyone. it is. No, no one's I'm... penis gets chopped off. <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm going for Deadly Creatures. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I, I know where you have, and the podcast will now be ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there uh, we go. Well, what a list we've got, though. That's a great ten games for the console. It's very good. I'm just gonna yeah. um, I'm just gonna send you both a picture of the moment where the guy's dick gets stung because it really made me laugh <laughs> oh, earlier today. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, you there you go. Is it safe enough to be today's thumbnail? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just his face screaming. He uh, he looks wow. Yeah, <laughs> that that game has not aged. That's exactly well, what I was it? about to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that I'm just looking at that pizza. That uh, that pizza. I was gonna say that picture mm. now. And that, Matt, is beating Deus Ex Human Revolution, well, is it? Well, the thing is, is that like pretty much everybody knows how good Human Revolution is. I had no idea Do that Dennis Hopper gets his dick bit by a snake. That's very true. And that wins. <laughs> that should win any game. So congrats, Joe. You've actually won this 4-1. to one, But little surprise for everyone. All 10 games are making the console that is not being made. So um, there we go. We had... So I had Max Payne 3, Resistance 3, The Unfinished One, Spec Ups the Line, and Deus Ex Human Revolution. And Joe, you had... I had... Sorry, I've turned it off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had yeah, Zack yeah, and Wiki, Rhythm Heaven Fever, Mad Worlds, Silent Hill Shattered Memories, and Deadly Creatures. What a list. I mean, that those 10 games will get you through a good amount of fun, I reckon. Good bit of variety on there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of genital slaughter. Oh, a lot Joe's. of genital problems. Really? Yeah. Uh, we've uh, we've spent an hour doing this. <laughs> well, and that is why people love this podcast. Yeah. Uh, there we go. Um, why don't you write in any of your PS3 or Wii hidden gems? Or yeah. Maybe next week we'll read out some of those at IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. We're going to very quickly now go through a few other things that we've been playing and seen. It's going to be like speed rounds. We haven't really done a lot the last week, to be honest, but there's a few things we want to highlight. Number one I want to highlight, I cannot stop playing Forza Horizon 5. It is one of the best games of the year. Echoing what I said last week, it's fantastic. It looks insane. It's stupid how good that game looks. <laughs> I know it doesn't... I know it's not original thought. It just... Every time yeah. I turn it on, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is like... Yeah, I know it's stupid. You're just like, this looks amazing. Like, I did a great race with some uh, like jet ski riders last night. Nice. And, that was just like they like a lot of games will kind of you know do the thing like when they want you to look at something they'll do like kind of the sneaky like oh why don't we pause here and look at the horizon to look how beautiful it is whereas this game will just full in your face do slow-mo for five seconds and go like there's no shame in it they're like yeah this is cool isn't it look at this (laughs) it's like yeah it's just a very Mm -hmm. very 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 good game um the thing i like about this one that the previous one didn't do is that like as you hit the milestones, it asks you, well, what do you want to invest in now? And you choose where the Horizon Festival expands to. And I think, you know, ultimately, like 90% of this game is the same as what the previous one was, which is no bad thing because the last one was a 10 out of 10 racing game. But having that little bit of extra choice of sort of like where you focus your attention, I think really suits it. 
Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, out now on Game Pass, I did mislead people last Friday. I apologise by saying it was out today. It was out if you had the premium edition, and I apologise. But it is now out for everyone, so everyone can enjoy Forza Horizon if you have Game Pass. I think they said, is it 4.5 million players at the moment? It's, it's uh, the yeah. biggest launch that Xbox Game Studios has ever had. That's insane. Like, And I think that just shows how good this game is, a playground of just catering to the most hardcore of racing fans like the idiots like us who just want to have a laugh like flying around the countryside smashing in things and everyone in between like it is lit- it is a game for everyone like yeah you know, you know, I know if you that's were kind making of like... the actual Forza wouldn't you yeah. just look at this and be like what's, what's the point <laughs> yeah, I mean if I, <laughs> I, I know asked? people like motorsport and people love like, I used to love Gran Turismo as well like but after playing Forza Horizon now I'm like why would I want anything but Horizon? Like, because you get it. the races and everything else. So, yeah. Also, on Game Pass is Unpacking. Have either of you played any of Unpacking? I have not yet. No. It is. If you don't know what Unpacking is, it's just a very chilled out. It's hardly even a puzzle game. Like you're basically, it's like a very loose narrative game. You play as this. You start off as this girl unpacking her bedroom. Like and there's just cardboard boxes in the middle of this room, and you take one by one, you take things out of this cardboard box, and you place them around the room, just where you think. If you were designing your bedroom, where do you think these things? So, like, would the cuddly toy go on the bed? Would the books go on the shelf? Probably. Like, you do things logically like that, and then once you've unpacked everything, maybe one or two things will flash red, and they'll be like, "Well, these aren't in the right place," so you've got to find the right place for these couple. Of so there's very loose puzzle elements there, but. Yeah, it's just really chilled out. It's kind of, it's got really nice calming music. I only played like an hour. I did the first three levels and it kind of gets more and more complicated. So I got to the third level, which has like five rooms in a house you have to unpack and like certain things from some boxes belong in different rooms in the house. So you have to keep cycling mm. between them. And like, you know, do I, I don't know, is this towel a bathroom towel or is it a tea towel for the kitchen? You Sometimes you won't know until you've really unpacked it. You know, there's a lot to unpack. Um, My only but, uh, knowledge of unpacking is everybody getting yes. angry that nobody knows what the, uh, or, or allegedly nobody knows what the GameCube is. No one knows what what, what the big purple yeah. cube. <laughs> People think it's like a kitchen appliance or something, right? <laughs> something That's like that. It's, it's been one of these whole things for like old grumbly millennials to get angry at Gen Z about because they don't know what a fucking GameCube is. Yeah, Admittedly, yeah. it doesn't look exactly like a GameCube. It's definitely no. a, a, a non-IP infringing GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it was pretty obvious to me, but... Yeah, it's just a very chilled out game. I don't know. I, I don't think it's very long at all. Um, like I said, I've played like an hour. Um, but it's just a really chilled out time if you have Game Pass. Um, yeah, you want to relax unpacking someone's house. <laughs> yeah, I've never really gone through the horrors. Like, so I moved to uni, moved house a couple of times there, and then came back. I've never really had the horrors of like my family have always had the same family home. I've never had that. Like people always talk about the horror of moving a whole house. I've never had that. So maybe I don't have any flashbacks that could be caused by this game for some. I'm but, really worried about moving house because we moved into this place unfurnished and then filled it. And now I'm like, as soon as we move out, I'm going to find out that my bed has to be pulled apart to get out of the house. The oh, sofa no. has to be thrown out of a window. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, but I, yeah, this game also does weird things. Like, it really does get to the part of me where I need everything in in order. Like all the books on the sh- you can put them in any order you want, but I need to have them going from like 
tallest to shortest in order. I can't have them all different heights, so I'll like does my head in. So uh, yeah, I've definitely I, I'm very much enjoying this game. Maybe check it out on Game Pass. Matt, you've seen the French Dispatch, mm-hmm. Wes Anderson's new film. It is, yeah. That is uh, not as good as some of his other films, unfortunately. Oh, is it not? I'm really no. looking forward to it. So it's one of these, like, I was really looking forward to it because it's, if you don't know, The French Dispatch is about journalists working for The French Dispatch of a Kansas kind of newspaper. Um, and so I was looking forward to a film about journalists. It turns out it's not. It's a film about journalism. Very, very distinct kind of change there. Um, but it's got a really interesting setup, which I do appreciate about it, which is it's basically the New Yorker as a movie. So it has almost essentially a front cover, then a forward from the editor, then three kind of journalistic stories, and then like a conclusion and the back page. And there's some animation in it, which is very, very much like the New Yorker's cartoon style. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Um, my main thing is with it, I don't really care so much about anything that happened in the stories. And some of the narration is so fast and so overly Wes Anderson styled that it actually becomes slightly difficult to follow in certain areas. The middle story, especially with Timothy Chamelet, some of the details are said so fast and so stylistically that I got one very, very important thing wrong, which meant I thought one person was his sister. And it turned out, unless <laughs> Wes Anderson is trying to say something very odd, definitely wasn't his sister. I mean, Royal Tenenbaums kind of crosses that line. Yeah, in yeah. So I was like, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, so it's, again, like absolutely peak Anderson in terms of visual style. Like I think this is the most he's indulged in his personal sensibilities. A lot of kind of... Obviously, there's always that static framing, but, you know, he's got this slightly odd fascination with kind of very small countries and their militaries sort of fighting. Mm. Yeah. A lot of that, a lot of, like, weird little police forces blasting through walls and Lea Saidu in, like, a very tall hat. It's like two sets. I'm into it. It's like two... I'm just imagining two sets of guys in, like, pastel-coloured, strange uniforms running from either side of a frame and sort of Mm -hmm. hitting each other with truncheons for a little bit. Yeah, it does that. It also does, like, there's a really... Like from a like a filming standpoint, there's a really just impressive panning shot where everybody's frozen, but it's quite clear that he hasn't just frozen the frame. They've done this whole thing where like there's a man with a flail, and they've obviously glued each of the individual links of the flail together, so it looks like it's freeze framed because everyone's slightly moving, so you know. But that is impressive because there's a good piece of action freezing to an almost comedy element is mm. very good. I just. I don't know if it's because they're short stories. I never found myself investing in any of these individual characters in the same way that I would invest in the characters of, say, for example, the the Grand Budapest Hotel. And so I came away like reasonably cold about it. Um, there's Bill Murray's character I really, really liked, but he has got about six minutes screen time, and I wish that it had been more about him than any of these other individual stories they were telling. And... The final story has got like a really good kind of gut punch of an ending that's quite smartly put together as a as a joke, basically. But I do wish that it wasn't a joke and there was more of that kind of peppered through the, the whole film. Um, it's one of these ones I want to watch it again, but almost as short films so I can mm. hyperfixate on them and kind of sort of like fully take in every moment of the narration and actually get fully invested and not have to worry about like where it fits in everywhere else because 
I don't need to try and follow it as a film anymore. I know there are individual stories that don't link. Um, so one, I hated The Life Aquatic the first time I saw it. It's now one of my favorite Wes Anderson films. So I don't want to give it give it too much of a downtrodding. I think it could potentially grow on me. But yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It, it didn't oh, come away as it. an instant new favorite. I know what you mean. Wes Anderson films can take a while. Like first time I saw Royal Tenenbaums, I didn't like it really. But mm-hmm. second time, I, I really got it. But yeah. Am I right in thinking his next one's out next year? Isn't he doing another one really quickly because this got delayed? I think I know that there's been a news story about saying like one of the cast members is just like you won't believe the amount of people are in this even for a Wes Anderson film. Isn't Tom Hanks in the next one? I think it's like something. I think he's gone like full classic Asteroid (laughs) City. Yeah, yeah. So the cast at the moment, yeah: Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Jeff Goldblum. There's more. But yeah, that's only a few of them. Like, yeah, it seems like everyone. He must just be. Those films must just be very fun to work on because everyone wants to work on. Well, them. They, I think the but, thing with French Dispatch as well, like you can get all those people involved because they only have to be there for like a day or two. Yeah, like they're all exactly. doing tiny parts yeah. and tiny stories. I think that's Elizabeth quite fun. Moss is obviously in this one, and she's she's in the trailer, so you almost think it's going to be prominent. She's in like three minutes worth of footage. Like she's not even a character. Oh, actually, speaking of Elizabeth Moss, can I just quickly add to our running order the fact that I watched, finally watched The Invisible Man, and it's fucking brilliant. It's great, isn't it? I still haven't watched it. Get on it. It's genuinely so... We watched it on Halloween. It's so good. Like, Mm -hmm. a really clever thriller with, like, elements of sci-fi, elements of horror, really interesting framing. Like, if you've watched... um, upgrade lee wannell's film before that that dude loves like a camera move that you weren't expecting um and just like really really smart stuff and like a great like metaphorical backbone to it as well like it's telling you about the world through the means of a really entertaining horror film it's or thriller Mm -hmm. film it's it's fucking great you've got to watch the invisible man I will get on that. Thank you for the recommendation, Joe. I've got a recommendation for everyone, which is less of a recommendation if you haven't already watched all of Dexter, but Dexter is back in Dexter New Blood, which I was, I'm not going to lie, quite wary of because I think Dexter is notorious as having one of the worst last seasons of television probably ever, for at least for a show that up until that point was very, very good. Like the first five seasons of Dexter, I think, are very good. Is it the fourth of the fifth season? The um... fourth is John Lithgow. Yeah, it's John Lithgow. Fucking one incredible. Of, one of the best seasons of television, mm-hmm. probably ever. But yeah, that last season of television, absolutely dire. Um, but he's back, and it's uh, it's set ten years after the events of the end of Dexter, and he is now. I don't want to spoil the, but you know, you're gonna you know he's still alive at the end of Dexter now because they've made a they've made a show ten years later with Dexter in it, but he's now living kind of a new life in the middle of nowhere as a owner of a gun shop uh well the manager of a gun shop anyway and yeah it's all about he's kind of settled into a normal life he's got a new girlfriend he's got he hasn't killed for 10 years like he's he's living the straight and narrow if you didn't know the the whole conceited dexter basically the original he's a blood splatter and analyst even uh, for the police, but also happens to have a penchant for killing. He's um, got a dark passenger. Exactly, he's a he's a serial killer. But his the whole twist on it is that he only kills people who deserve it. So he's kind of a vigilante, but quite a murderous one. Um, so you're kind of it's always that it's in that era of you know before Breaking Bad, before you, which you is just a straight rip off of what Dexter is. Um, 
entertaining in its own way, but absolutely just what Dexter is. But uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. And do you know what? The first episode launched of Dexter New Bud, and I loved it. I think they're back on track. A lot darker than the original Dexter ever was. There wasn't. There's not really any ton-in-cheek stuff necessarily hmm. in this first episode. Um, I think we'll get more of it, uh, judging by what happens in this episode. But um, yeah, a lot darker tone. Looks beautiful as well. Like the original Dexter never really had amazing cinematography or anything. It just it looked it looked good, but you know, it wasn't anything standout. Whereas this one looks beautiful a lot of a lot of snowy stuff going uh stuff going on and yeah i'm just glad dexter's back hmm. is basically. it just dexter or is like deb back in it or uh do i i don't i don't want to say any you know if That's you're gonna fair. watch it yeah there's only 10 episodes i don't know if they're doing several seasons or is th- if this is just like 10 episodes and done like trying to correct uh the past in a way because i think everyone like all the actors like everyone was unhappy with how that ended and like they just want to try and correct what went wrong so um yeah if you're into dexter and you didn't you felt like oh, I'm, I'm done with dexter i'd give it another chance because it looks to be good um matt you want to quickly talk about arcane yeah i'll, I'll be very quick i know we're, we're making a very long podcast today but yeah arcane mm-hmm. is the league of legends television show that has just dropped on netflix there are only three episodes on netflix at the moment it's going to be released in blocks of three episodes over three weeks um, so you can watch the first three. I've watched the first two. Um, it is hands down the best animation I think I've ever seen, at least on television, if not going into, you know, bang against the likes of Pixar. It is an absolutely stunningly beautiful uh, TV show. And uh, and yeah, I think um, so it's animated by Fortiche who do the who did the mm-hmm. the um the KDA kind of music videos yeah. so mm-hmm. Cardi I know you'll know about this since we made an entire Just documentary um but um it's got a different art style to those uh, uh music videos um it's set in the world of Rune Terror which is the world that League of Legends takes place in but League of Legends much like um Overwatch for example it's not it's a multiplayer game right so it's not actively telling a story but the people behind it have all this lore that, you know, in Overwatch comes through very small cinematics and, mm-hmm. and comic books, right? And League of Legends almost feels like it's beat, like, Overwatch to the bat a little bit with, like, actually being the first to be able to bring those stories to TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically, like, it's not necessarily the story I expected it to tell, but it's... So it's set in, I think this is called Piltover, which is a very kind of steampunk sort of influenced kind of um, beautiful city that has an undercity and the kind of the main characters are a group of they are champion well are they champion yeah i think they're champions in um, yeah. in league of legends but um they're younger versions of them so it looks like this is kind of like an okay. origin story leading mm-hmm. up to where they become those characters that you play as in the game um very much requires no knowledge of who they are or Good. how league that's works. what i've heard because i want to check out and i've also heard it's, it might also be beneficial because if you play the game you know these characters and almost it'll take some of the mystery of the plot away because you know some characters will end up being enemies or mm-hmm. will end up yeah like getting into conflicts whereas i don't know really i know the names of some of these characters i don't know where any of their allegiances lie so i'm kind of going in completely fresh and yeah i think i think i'm gonna give it a go Maybe once it's all out, I'll just mm-hmm. binge it. Yeah, well, it's only, you know, it, it's not like you've got to wait 10 weeks or anything. Like, this week yeah. it will drop the next three, and the week after it drops the final three. Um, but, yeah, it's it's got that... Like, it's got a reasonable amount of heart, which I quite like. It's, it's definitely a story about 
the haves and have nots you know your your main characters are from the undercity which is the poverty ridden like district and you know there's the envy of those who live above i think the thing that i really like is i've always even though i'm not a big league of legends player by any means like i haven't played it for years and was bad at it when i did um but i think riot are almost second to none in terms of their art like you look at kind of like the the key art they release for each new hero and sort of like their new skin designs and stuff like that they have an astonishing art style and it's an art style that's very video games and you don't tend to we don't get a lot of fantasy right on tv and when it is it's now game of thrones and the witcher sort of pretty much looks like game of thrones right and wheel of time i'm sure will look very similar to those shows whereas this is a very distinctly like that steampunk that you only get in video games where it's very very techy and everyone wears very very cool sort of like tunic style uniforms and this Mm -hmm. you see a lot of like the enforcers which are the police that work in the upper city coming into the lower city and have like these wonderful like brass gas masks with little like tinkery bits in them and so it's all of this stuff that i love that i quite frequently see in games but never get to see it beautifully animated and brought to life in a Mm -hmm. medium that's got a bit more money for that yeah I've always wanted the Overwatch version of this, and obviously Blizzard are in a in a place at the moment where that's probably not coming anytime mm-hmm. soon, if ever. So, yeah, I'm I'm willing to give it. Maybe I can't see my ev- myself ever playing uh, League of Legends just because it's it's not a game for me. I've yeah. I've watched it. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's it's not for me. But like you said, those characters do look very cool and there's what over a hundred of them so i don't know if, yeah. how many of them are going to be in this show well but, it, um... the thing i like is it, it it's kept it very very small so they are actually characters well at least like four of them are characters that i did know from my time kind of playing mm-hmm. league but the thing i do like is a lot of them aren't they're just characters that have been made for for the show they're like the, the background and side characters and you know some of those come more to the forefront so i like that it doesn't just feel like oh, here's a bunch of video game characters that are doing mad things. It, it does feel more of an authentic, lived-in sort yeah. of place that actually has it's, a story to it's tell. exactly what they've done with their music, isn't it? They've taken the characters and done something completely different with it. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, didn't... I will say, if you cool. know the music, like, this is a Riot production through and through. Like, the intro of it is a music video, and it's right. Imagine Dragons. Like, it couldn't no. be any okay. more Riot. That's so nice. <laughs> uh, but we'll see um didn't the dota, dota tv show already came out didn't it was yeah, that not, that did was... that not go down as well i think that was a bit more of a case of like if you're into dota you're probably into the show i don't know if there was as ease of access there but also that that looks like a fairly standard anime this just looks like it's out of this world how well it's animated and how distinct the style is it looks absolutely nothing like anything i've watched before Mm-hmm. amazing well maybe check out that i know i'm going to arcane on netflix now well for three episodes are anyway um we as we said we are already running long so i think sadly we are going to have to skip the end of search this week otherwise we will be here all day and i know matt and joe are very busy people i have nothing better to do i stay here all day but you know um let's go straight to feedback i've got one here from jeff smith who says sup gents i just watched 15 minutes of elden ring and it made me think if you could inject a game directly into your veins, what would it be? <laughs> no, but seriously, are you a Pop Boy fan? What's inside Pop Boy? I didn't expect Pop Boy to have a British voice. From the Pittsburgh Jeff. <laughs> Pittsburgh Jeff, who says, respect the ceramic man. Yeah, I like that. Look, that's a fun um, little switch on the sea, but please do <laughs> keep respecting the sea. Yes. It also, will yeah, kill never you. keep that out of your mind. Um, 
I'm we can very briefly talk about Elden Ring because I know actually probably next we'll talk about it more once because the closed network test is happening people will get a chance to play it from that 15 minutes though don't get me wrong I wish everyone who likes Elden Ring and likes Dark Souls and likes Sekiro and Bloodborne a wonderful time with this game it does look great still not for me it, it looks like open world Dark Souls I know I'm going to play an hour of it and give up um, but I do like Potboy Potboy is very good. I want to see more of Potboy. Do you know what? I kind of did expect him to be British. Well, they've I'm all got British voices in, in, in Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls, really. They're all mostly voiced by British people, yeah. so I assumed that everything would be. <laughs> it would be funny yeah. if it was Gilbert Gottfried, though. <laughs> he was just like, ah, come on! <laughs> I can't believe it. it! I just can't believe it! Uh, um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure you're interested in Elden Ring, Matt. Uh, it looks basically like i obviously i like the dark souls games but um it's less the open world stuff i'm I'm less fussed about that you know like i prefer I, the reason why i like dark souls is how curated it is and how kind of like like real kind of precise bespoke that it's the fact that it's dark souls with a real like emphasis on magic for me like i love the look of those magic attacks and magic spells i also think it looks like it might be slightly easier to play it in co-op i haven't played the network test yet but my hope is i can play this 100 percent in co-op rather than yeah. having to burn embers I or would whatever enjoy those games. Like i tried doing bloodborne co-op but you have to do the whole ring the bell thing and like yeah. and as soon as soon as like you fail or die once you have to do it all again you can't just jump in it like if it was just invite a friend and join i'd, I'd probably play those games uh but yeah I'm, Tell you I'm what you want to play then, that Final Fantasy, um, you know, the um, the mad one with the chaos, what's that called, Final Fantasy Origins? I've played that in co-op and it actually works exactly what you'd want a co-op uh, Dark Souls game. cooperatively kill chaos? Yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Joe, do you care about Elden Ring? Um, I care about it for two reasons. One, uh, the open world thing seems like it will solve my my issue with dark souls which is frustration like i i do just get it's the reason i stopped with bloodborne like i think bloodborne should be my thing but i just hit one guy that i just couldn't beat for ages and i was like i don't fucking want to do this ever again um and the openness of this and seemingly from what i can tell i haven't actually read our hands-on preview yet but it's by mitchell so it will be very good um the openness the idea that i could not just like approach something from different directions but go and fuck off and do something else like that Mm -hmm. really appeals to me um and if there's elements of grinding and you know like i could come back and do that thing better that circumvents a lot of my issues and if it is you know full breath of the wild the open then i'm even more excited because there just haven't been many open worlds that deal with that stuff Mm -hmm. um the other thing i love oh carry on no, no. Uh, did, did they say it's going to be four-player co-op as well? Have I made that up? I think there is an. Uh, I think there is a four-player element to it, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, the other thing I'm super excited about is the magic because it looks like it's ripping off Dragon's Dogma, which everyone should be fucking doing. So well done, See, well, someone finally had the balls. If I played that game, Joe, I would have had it in my underappreciated PS. That's fair. Games. That's fair. Um, but uh, if I'd... there, if there is. Uh, a spell where you can wrench meteors from their orbit and into the floor randomly occasionally hitting you and your friends then it will be perfect but we'll see where we and get to that elden ring actually as well probably more chance than in most games there'll be some sort of some sort of violent scrotum action uh, yeah but it was more like a giant monster exactly it yeah. will be a scrotum on legs like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like a guy the scro- riding the scrotal king a guy yeah. riding a big the scrotal sc- chariot 
Um, yeah. The b- balls of mayhem, he'll be called. Or exactly, something. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, I mean, ceaseless yeah, discharge is already taken, sadly. Oh, but yeah. it's it's disgusting. Um, who's got the next email, Joe? I've got this, and I apologise in advance because uh, I don't know how to sif- specifically pronounce this name, but I'm going to say Ojus Diolica. Or Ojus, I'm not sure. Depends where you come from. I'm sorry. Hey, IGN UK crew. First time, long time. Before I say anything else, I should mention that I am a big, big fan of all of you and enjoy your weekly discussions and digressions on pop culture and British leisure food items. <laughs> leisure food, I love that. Leisure food is a great way of like putting le- food you don't need to eat. That's exactly. actually a really good well, show. I instantly thought of like leisure centre food, like the things you'd find in the vendor machine at a swimming pool, like oh, Toffos or Toffos. Bears. Do you remember those um, <laughs> bottle caps? They yes. were like... They were like soda-flavoured hard candy. Oh, they were so good. I love ball caps. Um, I recently moved to London for my master's programme. We got a smarty pants on our hands. And as a result, I can... Fi- <laughs> he didn't write that. Uh, and as a result, I can finally understand what you mean when you extol the virtues of products like Muller's yogurts. I have a particular affinity for strawberry flavour, by the way. To come to the point of my email, the UK seems to have given up on the whole pandemic lockdown thing quite a while ago. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, as a result, I was able to watch a film in the cinema after a long, long time, and I lost my temporary cinema virginity to Daniel Craig's final outing as 007. And what an, what an appropriate <laughs> set of words to apply to Bond. Um, in no time to die, he should say. Or does say, and I should say. I quite enjoyed the film and found it a satisfying ending to Daniel Craig's arc. I agree. It has excellent action scenes and a fairly well-constructed emotional story that constructs to the current... Sorry, that connects to the current Bond's backstory. I realised that I had quite forgotten how action scenes look outside superhero movies, so some tense boots-on-the-ground fight scenes were just what the Doctor ordered. I think that's a very good point. We are accustomed to people being thrown through the air. Yeah, flying with lasers. Yeah, you're not getting that in Bond. Uh, you will get some lasers in Bond. True. Yeah. To elaborate on exactly what I enjoyed, and I always enjoy exactment, I can pick out two specific sequences. One reminded me of a video game stealth mission where Bond uses the cover of the fog and the forest to take down groups that outnumber him using traps, misdirection, and quick kills. A sequence near the end is much more reminiscent of a Call of Duty mission where he effortlessly mows down henchmen in small spaces using his rifle. I saw an interview of the director, Kerry Fukunaga, where he said he was inspired by the sound design in video games like Red Dead Redemption when he was working on the film. Finally, my question. Do you have scenes from movies that remind you of video game sequences? It doesn't have to be action scenes. It could be a witty back and forth that resembles an RPG conversation or even some soothing scenes akin to playing What Remains of Edith Finch. would be interesting to hear your thoughts on the same. Uh, And then he says lots of nice things. Oh, and he says a drowning story. (laughs) When I was little, I was pushed into the deep end by my swimming teacher every day as diving practice. Consequently, I respect the sea so much that I never learned how to swim and never go within (laughs) 10 foot of a beach. (laughs) Wise. Very wise. Uh, Um, A film that feels like a game. Um, I mean, I feel like like video game language is just going through films more and more you know as directors come in who have played get like mm-hmm. the one the, the classic bit of film criticism that ev- no you know like everyone said at the time was the raid was a video game like it was literally mm-hmm. going up levels to get to the boss um yeah. as was dread uh yeah as was die hard yeah. yes although <laughs> die hard was moving between levels that yeah. was less like I- structured in mm-hmm. that way i definitely see it i know that's not the question but i definitely see it the other way around like we said with like max Payne. that's very much an action film that's playable i think um again that i feel like it's 
yeah, we're seeing it the other way around a lot more. I don't know. I'm trying to think. What film have I seen recently? I mean... I mean, almost anything with a single take, well, a single shot kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, so... Um, you think of like the the Daredevil sequence in the Netflix mm. show is feels very much kind of like a like a not a side scrolling beat em up, but you get what I mean, like because the camera's constantly following mm-hmm. you in the same way that like God of War kind of does that. It's interesting that God of War sort of does that to emulate one take movies, whereas mm-hmm. actually a lot of I think a lot of directors, especially younger directors, their single take action sequences are probably influenced by the idea of like video games that don't break camera. Um, so stuff like There's that things like, things like John Wick as well I think is kind of mm. may have been influenced by something like Max Payne I know we mentioned Max Payne a lot today but it's got that sort of feel and you've got the things like the Uncharted movie that doesn't seem to resemble the video game whatsoever <laughs> the, um, uh, the thing that like I definitely don't think it was inspired by video games in and of itself but it reminds me of video games is that bit in Shaun of the Dead where he's planning how to get to the pub like doing yeah. like all the all the sequences the steps you need to do to get there feels very like because i'm sure that's mm-hmm. a reference to heist movies and that kind of thing but from our perspective yeah. i definitely look at that and go like oh this feels like planning a raid or you know yeah. you know mm-hmm. like working I mean, out a lot of Edgar Wright stuff i mean it's an obvious one but Spot- scott pilgrim is based on a book that's basically based on a video game like, yeah, yeah yeah that is going through levels like yeah i feel like yeah there's some examples i'm it's tough on the spot to think of them, but there's a few. Um, Matt, one last piece of feedback. Yeah, we've got this one in from Mark from Glasgow, who says, Hey there, folks. Was playing It Takes Two with my partner after it arrived on Game Pass this week, and I encountered an odd scenario. There is a segment of the game where one player is equipped with the ability to set explosives and the other the ability to ignite them. Upon discovering a, se- a selection of loose rocks in a wall, we both instinctively set the explosives and ignited them, only for nothing to happen, much to our disappointment. It feels like the kind of thing that's almost expected to work in a game now, and akin to Chekhov's gun, it seems a weird choice to put it in if nothing's going to come of it. What examples can you think of where certain elements always mean a certain thing to a- where certain elements always mean a certain thing across different games. For example, cracks in a wall mean a secret passage. A checkpoint or health before a room means there's going to be a boss fight. Any examples of this that you don't like? I know Joe had mentioned the idea of shadows appearing on the floor to signify the things that were about to fall on that spot when he was playing through It Takes Two. Thanks for the podcast, respect the sea, and death to your enemies. I think I remember that exact bit from It Takes Two as well, because uh, I definitely remember like a block, yeah, like some loosely, like put together rocks that seem like they should be explodable and they're not um there's a couple of bits in that game actually i think there's like another one where you like you can jump on something and if you jump on it it kills you instantly and it's just like well that was unfair mm-hmm. um i do feel i can't remember what game it was recently it might have even been guardians like i was so attuned to like going around every corner and expecting there to be something picked to pick up sometimes though you'd go around a whole like section and there mm. was literally nothing and i was like was there meant to be something here i don't know yeah but like that's one that gets me in games like exploring places that you've quite obviously made as a way i can go but there's absolutely no reason for me to go down there the um i think i've seen i think i've said this on here before i can't remember like a few years ago when I first uh, got together with Anna, my girlfriend, she hadn't played games for a very long time and kind of asked for some suggestions. And at the time, that game Gorogoa had just come out. I don't know if you remember, like really beautiful, thoughtful, yeah. interesting, non-violent puzzle game. And I was like, right. She was super into art and design. And I was like, right, this feels like something that will really appeal to her. So we started sitting down and playing it. And almost immediately, you realized like 
oh, this simple puzzle game includes so much like video game language that doesn't apply to any normal person who doesn't play video games and in, in, immediately makes it really hard. So like, if I picked up something green, I'd be like, well, here we go. I'm going to find something green. And when you actually explain that to someone, you sound fucking mad. Like, <laughs> you sound like an insane person going, like, matter-of-factly, mm-hmm. green goes with green. <laughs> I mean, that's just obvious. You're like, <laughs> why? And it's because we've just played fucking Metroidvanias for 25 years. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's always... I think that's always super interesting. Like color, color scheme stuff in yeah. general is always one that, that's another one um, that actually, uh, yeah, it's do a color schemes again. It's actually in the most recent Call of Duty. You play as the sections as Laura Bailey's character, and she can climb walls. And the bits you can climb are clearly yellow coloured. And it's just mm. like, that is like such game language. Now, I don't know if it started in Uncharted, but that's the most recognisable for me is, yeah, if something's got a like a little yellow handle on it, that means you can climb it. Tomb Raider <laughs> like had a lot of white scratches everywhere, mm-hmm. yep. that kind of thing. And um, then uh, Far Cry always has the same like tied up knots in a mm. bit of um, rope hanging off things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. God of War, I think, did that really cool thing where it was like you're literally following Freya's footsteps, so it makes sense that those things might be there left for you. Um, and that was the only it's time I've mo- ever it's seen your that mother's made. writing, isn't it? Isn't it your your mum's the one leading you on in, the way uh, yeah. in God of War? She's the one who's left all those uh, drawings. When you say your mum, <laughs> as in as sorry, as in um, Atreus's mother, as yeah, that's in your wife, isn't that it? That's not Freya. Oh, freak! Is it? Freak, Frig. That's what I'm thinking. There we go. Sorry, I don't want people to get angry with you. Um, That's fine. Thank like you. Like I just don't. Well, it's also <laughs> no, just um, you saying your mum did that. <laughs> really your mum did that. <laughs> yeah, it was actually your your mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Remember, that's if quite you want enough. Your feedback. Yeah, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. Tell me why Max Payne Three is not the best Max game. That's playing game. Why Deus Ex is not underrated, and maybe let me know what your uh, underappreciated PS3 or Wii games are. Also, um, let us know whether you like the format of the head to heads in general, because I think that's quite good for quiet weeks. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like as a I like doing more featurey things, experiment things we like. Exactly. Yeah, lovely. And we'll I'll I'll, I'll not bend the rules so much next time. Um, what should we have some for some music? Maybe. Should we pick one of the Forza bangers? I don't know about you, I said it before, I love whacking on the classical station and bombing around. Oh, the classical um, station's always the best. And they have Mars f- from uh, Holster Planet. Oh, yeah! They play that when you get to the top of the uh, of a... volcano. Yeah, it's so good. So maybe we'll, in a, in a real high-class affair here, maybe we'll go out with a bit of Holst's Mars from the planets. <laughs> uh, there we go. Goodbye. Ugh. That's that wrestler. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.